let's let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord. I just thank you for your faithfulness to us as a church this year. Um, And and Holy Spirit, we just ask, even as we just delve into your word, that you would just speak to us. Um, Lord, speak to us through your word this morning. And and Father, I just ask that every word that comes out of my mouth would be led by you. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, So, if you guys want to open your Bibles, or I'm just going to scroll on my iPad, uh, to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore... Be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Cool. So when I was asked to share a couple of weeks back, I didn't really know. Well, I had some idea what I wanted to speak on, but not a heap of idea. Um, and then particularly after, if anybody was here at the start of the month, I think it was the first week of December, Di preached on who is my neighbour um, and on serving. And I'd really like to, I guess, continue along that lines, um, particularly serving when it's difficult. So in, in my life, um, I've kind of always kind of been in church. I've grown up in church and always served in church. And I've definitely had moments where it's been really difficult to serve, not because serving was difficult, but because life circumstance was difficult at the time. Um, and so I'd like to just, if, if anybody's wondering, my title is Serving God When Life Gets Difficult. Um, and before I keep going, I do want to issue a, a caveat here that most of the examples or anecdotes I might share are about serving in church, so either on a music team or running a cell group, but I think we all need to remember that the call upon us is to serve in every aspect of our lives, serve our families, to serve in the workplace, to serve in in church, out of church, to serve in our wider communities. It's not just about in church. Um, So for those who weren't there or were there, um, in Di's sermon on serving, she mentioned three things. Serving people is inconvenient. Serving is unpopular. It can make us feel uncomfortable. Serving always conveys the heart of God, regardless of the gift 
we display. And then catching on from that, something that struck me was actually I was listening to the podcast of Alicia's sermon, and that testimony was absolutely incredible. Um, but I actually want to quote something that she, she was amazing. It's <laughs> um, something that she actually said at the end, and I'm, I'm going to quote you directly on this, that it's, it's God's love that gives us the courage to serve. Serving is often stepping outside of our comfort zone. It can mean confronting fears and stepping out. So again, reiterating that serving involves action, and it's because of what God has done in us and for us, because of his love that we serve. So from there, I think it's interesting to note the context of Peter writing in 1 Peter 4. Um, So in chapter 1, and we'll actually share some of this in communion, in 1 Peter 1, he says, Peter's writing to those that are scattered. So presumably due to persecution, they've been spread. Then in verse 4, he he talks about the great inheritance that they have. And then in verse 6 and 7, he says, you've suffered grief. They've suffered grief. They've been through all kinds of trials, but their trials have proven their faith genuine. So these, these are people who've, they've been through some suffering. They've been through some tough times. And then in chapter 2, he then says, 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So then you know, he's noting, okay, as believers, we are being built into a spiritual house. We are built, being built into the church. And we are each living stones offering spiritual sacrifices to God, which echoes in some respects Romans 12.1, which says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So as believers, we're called to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And um, something that's been running through my head and I've thought about it a lot and I've heard Brahm say it multiple times is the difference between a dead sacrifice and a living sacrifice. A dead sacrifice has no choice, but a living sacrifice has a choice. A living sacrifice is a sacrifice of our will. So as believers, in, in Peter writing to these believers, he said, okay, you're called to give up your will for God's will. Um, then saying yeah, that they are called out of darkness into the light. And then he continues kind of at the end of that chapter about then saying, okay, and make sure you submit to all human authority, to governors, slaves to masters, regardless of whether it's fair or not, submit to authority. So why, then I ask myself, taking more water, why is any of that important when then looking at 1 Peter chapter 4? When, Well, so Peter is writing to these people. They've been through suffering. They've been through pain, likely persecution. If anything, by earthly standards, these people were probably, they probably had the most to lose from serving. And they'd probably been through so much to ask them to serve was probably going to be really, really tough. I mean, if you think about it, if you've been through persecution, if you've been scattered, do you really want to serve? Probably not but he commends them to serve. He reminds them to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, reminds them to sacrifice their will and to be in submission to authority. So then, noting that, um, 1 Peter chapter 4 is kind of split into two sections. Um, 
verse, the passage is split into two. So verse one to seven is really about living before God and the inner life of the believers, where Peter is telling believers that because Christ has suffered, they must have the same attitude as him. He's telling them that they don't live for human desires, but they live for God's will. Noting to them that they no longer behave the way that they used to before they were saved, that their lives have been transformed. So he notes that their inward life has been transformed as believers. And why does that transformation of the inner life matter? Because of the outward expression. Our inner spiritual lives are what drive a healthy outward expression of our service to God as believers. Um, So then the second section of that, verses 8 to 11, are really the outward expression of the transformed life of the believer. So what does that outward expression look like? Or what does serving look like? So verse 8, loving each other deeply. Above everything else, love each other. Verse 9, offer hospitality and don't grumble. Verse 10 and 11, use whatever gift you have received to serve him as faithful stewards. Um, gifts are by it, by his grace. And something I always think about is grace is us getting something that we don't deserve. So if you think about that, saying, okay, use whatever, using the gifts that God has graced you with, it's a gift from him. Um, if you speak, speak with authority. If you serve, do it by the strength that he provides. And then verse 11, that, that the goal of serving is that in all things he would be praised. So it's not that when you serve in church, out of church, wherever you serve, you don't serve for your own glory, you don't serve so you look good, but it's actually so that God is glorified, that he is praised. So Peter, in in writing to a group of people who have been scattered, they're under persecution, they've been suffering, but he calls them to be built into a spiritual house, to offer up spiritual sacrifices in the same manner that Jesus did, to sacrifice their will, to have transformed lives inwardly, but for this to also be expressed outwardly in communities and in church. So if I then... It's interesting because Romans 12, verse 1 to 8, has a really interesting parallel to that. And actually, I think I preached on that as well. So I might might read that because I think we're going okay for time. Um, Romans 12, verse 1 to 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I think it's interesting to note that parallel where verse 1 1 and 2 of Romans 12 is about the transformed life. 
offering bodies up as living sacrifice. But then verse 3 to 8 is about being used in effective service. Having transformed lives as believers is essential so that we are used for effective service in the kingdom. And we need to remember that we can't have one without the other. I think sometimes we can always be really introspective and go, oh, I need to get myself right, I need to focus on myself, without realising that Jesus transforms us so that we can serve others, so that we can serve in his kingdom. So what then are my key takeaways? Or what does it mean to be a good steward of the grace that God's given us, of the giftings that he's given. Um, and, yeah, and noting that Peter is writing this to people who've been through a lot, they've been through suffering, they've, they've been scattered. What, what is my takeaway about how do we serve when things are difficult? How do we steward what God has given us when things are difficult? So, number one, serve, or serve and live according to God's will. So he says this in verse 2. Um, Essentially, to me, it kind of means that we have to place God's will over our own. We have to be sober. We have to be alert. We need to be aware of what God is doing in our lives, in our community, and identify those needs. We need to listen to his voice and seek his will in the word. And even in that, in living according to God's will, something I was thinking about is we also need to be talking to the people we're accountable to about serving and about God's will for our lives. Because I think sometimes we can... Then go on this tangent of going, oh, it's just God's will for me to just step away and I'm all done. And it's like, well, actually, let's talk to the people we're accountable to about what God's saying. So when life is difficult, serve according to God's will. Uh, number two, love each other deeply, which he notes in, Peter notes in verse 8. So we have to love our Christian brothers and sisters deeply and we have to serve one another. It's not just that we serve with one another, but we actually serve one another. Um, and I look about that, and sometimes that can be tough. I think in, in all of us, like, conflict is normal, and it just happens. But I, I was kind of like, what does loving each other deeply look like? And in my mind, I kind of look at our incredible front row here. I, I, I look at Fran and Ty and Bern and Tony and Aaron Carver aren't here. And, but I look at how much, how far they go in loving people deeply. Showing and loving people deeply doesn't mean it's not just being nice to people all the time and being accommodating, but it's actually showing tough love. Like I can count multiple times when these two and Calvin have shown me very tough love, but that's what loving each other deeply is. Um, and <laughs> and even in loving each other deeply, if if we truly love our brothers and sisters deeply then we can't harbour any unforgiveness to one another. We need to actually love deeply to the heart. Um, love has to be our motivator in serving. So when life is difficult, love the people around you deeply. Number three, be practical in service. So verse nine calls, calls us to offer hospitality. Um, and I was kind of debating, is this relevant to like serving when it's difficult? But then I started thinking about it and it's like, well, it's practical. Serving by nature is practical. Anybody can do it. I think about offering hospitality. To buy somebody a cup of coffee, to pour somebody a cup of coffee after church is hospitality and takes all of about 30 seconds to do, or not even that. So anybody can do it. And I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, why is it so important to offer hospitality, to be practical in service? And I realised that it's simple, but it cultivates gratitude. 
that if we choose to just offer hospitality, to open our homes, to serve one another, we shift the focus away from ourselves, we shift it away from what's going on in my life and my circumstance, and we shift it to, okay, how can I serve somebody else around me? So when life is difficult, find a practical way to serve and shift your eyes away from your own circumstance, whatever that may be. And I, I even think about that, like, being practical in service, I mean, we've just heard Ben say, like, we should have more people helping with kids. Like, it's so practical and anybody can do it. And not even that. I mean, we didn't talk about it today, but I'm going to talk about it. We, guys, we're starting an English teaching school in Ambon. That's massive. And anybody can serve. Um, so, <laughs> so when life is difficult, find a practical way to serve. Shift your eyes away from your own personal circumstance. Number four, don't grumble in service. So when we serve, if we are serving God and according to his will, why would we grumble? I, I kind of think about it. If God's asked you to do something, what right do you then have to go, oh, I don't want to do it? Because it's, it's the creator of the universe. There's kind of, there's almost no negotiating power then because he's asked you to do it. And he's asked you to serve to further his kingdom. I kind of was thinking about the story of Jonah, and particularly Jonah chapter 4, um, which is basically, if you guys know, okay, Jonah didn't want to go preach, ran away, got swallowed by a whale, got spat out, ended up going to preach to Nineveh. And when he goes to preach, he, he preaches, and God says, look, if they don't repent, you know, they're going to be smitten. He, he preaches the word, they all repent. And so an entire city is saved, right? And then Jonah goes back and he grumbles, and he's like, oh, you see, I knew God, you were going to save them. I, you know, what was the point? And he, he grumbles in his service in preaching to them, which is, which is crazy because when you think about it, like, I, I'm blown away by the fact that God used one man to change an entire city and to save an entire city. So how can we grumble if we're being used by God? Because he's asked us to serve and it's for the furtherance of his kingdom. And something I was thinking about that even then when we start grumbling in service can often actually think, and I've seen it in my own life, that it can be a sign of entitlement. That, you know what, I've served so many years or I've done this. And it doesn't, and again, I reiterate, that it doesn't have to be serving in church. It can be serving anywhere. I've served, you know, my family for so many years. Nobody, does, nobody loves me, you know, whatever. People grumble and complain. But... At the end of the day, what are we really entitled to in all of that? Nothing. So when life is difficult, don't grumble about it. Don't grumble about service. Number five, uh, recognise that the giftings that you have come from God, which, you note, which Peter notes in verse 10. So yes, I, I kind of think about it. All of us have our own natural talents and giftings, but I think it's important that we recognise whatever they are, it comes from God. We, we need to, you know, I think it's important for each of us to know our talents, know our giftings, and understand where that can be used. Everybody has something to offer. Um, figure out how you can use your gifting in the kingdom of God. That could be, could be baking for hospitality. It could be education. It could be a great teacher. It could be in kids' life. It could be teaching the word. You could be, uh, actually, I'll, I'll use an example that's probably challenged me in the last little while. I mean, I always used to kind of 
help with this. I always used to be like, nah, when I'm serving in church, I'm using the musical side of my brain. And when I'm not serving in church, when I'm in the workplace, that's where I use all my insurance and finance and project management and all of that. That's when I use that skill. So in some sense, I was kind of always sitting on two sides of the fence, work on one person and church and family are somewhere different. And I think God really started to challenge me that, and particularly through, I think there were actually a couple of prophetic words where this came out about there being multiple facets to how I operate. And I was like, what does that mean? And then I started realising that there have been a couple of things that God's challenged me. It's gone, well, actually, all that stuff that you do at work, you can still use that in church. You can still use it to help people project plan. You can still use it to help people set up structures and do things. Just because you do it at work doesn't mean it's only reserved for use at work. Yeah? If you're good with computers and websites, anybody knows that as a church, we need lots of people to do that. And, and again, like I said, it's not just within the concept of church. I'll, I'll actually use the example of my dad. So my dad, he is an, he's incredible with computers. He works for a big multinational in designs information systems but at a really practical level how uh, how have I seen him use that skill to serve people I've actually seen him go out and set up computer labs in rural Sri Lanka where there are these really kind of small churches and people don't have computers he's gone okay well we can set up computer labs so people can get educated on how to use computers so they can go further and I'm like when I think about it that's incredible but that's not him that that's him serving and going this is my gifting I know how to do that I'm going to do it and it, it doesn't have to be just within church. Anybody can serve. Identify your giftings and use it for the kingdom. So when life is difficult, recognizing, recognize that the giftings God has given you to... Sorry, let me start again. When life is difficult, recognize, recognize the giftings God has given you to serve in and recognize that they are from him. And I, I guess my final point and probably most importantly if you serve serve by the strength that god provides which is from verse 11 so when we serve it's not out of our own strength it's not out of the own own my own abounding energy that i might have it has to be by leaning on the spirit it has to be out of serving on him um, if i read from galatians 6 verse 8 to 10 whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So, kind of reminding us that you know, when we serve, we have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And even out, that, we ha- out of that, we have to do that with the goal that God will be praised. We serve, be it wherever we serve, so that Christ is glorified, not ourselves. It has to be about him. It can't be about us. It's not about me serving in my community so my community respects me and I'm, I look awesome. It's, it's not about that. It actually has to be so his kingdom is furthered and so that he will be praised because it's not about us. So when life is difficult, serve by the strength that God provides with the goal that he will be praised. So with that, I'm 
probably want to cover off kind of two kind of testimonies, but even examples that I know come out a lot when it comes to the topic of serving when life's difficult. Um, so the first one is what about burning out? Um, so raise some hands if you've heard people say this over the years. Um, I'm burning out. Uh, I need a break. I can't do this anymore. Um, nobody else is helping or putting in any effort. I just I need to stop. Uh, or my personal favourite is I just need to focus on myself at the moment. Um, so, look, it's because I, I don't know whether it's millennial culture, but I, I just I've if I think about the last let's call it the last 18 years, I feel like I, all, it's particularly when it comes to serving in church, I particularly hear people say those phrases and it's like, why? But then I also found myself going like, I personally have never really found myself burning out from that. So my question is why? So I grew up in a family where serving was just paramount, was paired with Christianity. So if you're a Christian, you serve. So my, in the family that I grew up, my dad always served in church. My very first childhood memory is sitting on my dad's guitar case while he was preparing to worship lead. So I, I was a kid who I got dragged around to everything. Uh, Mum and dad would drag me around when they were singing somewhere or I got dragged around to cell groups. I remember one time that dad had to fill in and run somebody else's cell group so I had to jump in the car and bring my red truck along and then sat in the cell group, and then I'm like, okay, cool, I'm just going to play with my toys, and then go back home. So I, I just got dragged around, and parents were always serving, and that's kind of how I grew up. So from an early age, I always knew that it's just, it's part of the Christian life. There's no ifs or buts about it. If we're a Christian, we serve. Um, and then from, I think it was about 12 or 13, I at the church I was at before Mother Life, I was allowed to start singing on the music team. So I wasn't good enough to play guitar, so they let me play the bongos. Um, I played the bongos for a couple of months, and then one time I played the bongos and I hit them too hard and they fell off the stand, <laughs> rolled off a platform about that big, hit the floor, and then I had to go pick it back up and put it on, um, at which point I think they said, yes, you can play guitar. <laughs> Um, so, look, from that point, like, from about, let's say, 12, 13, I've kind of always served in church in some area, and particularly with music teams. Now, I don't say that to brag, but to illustrate a point, um, because I've never really suffered with burnout. It, I've, it's, it's not saying I've never gotten tired. I've definitely had moments where I'm like, oh, I'm just not tired of doing the thing, but at the end of the day... I'm tired. Like, I can testify, like, for the music team, for us it is an absolute joy that we do not have to pack up this stuff today because at the end of it, you're just tired and you're hungry. So I'm not saying I've, I've never been tired, but I've never been burnt out, never been like, you know what, I never want to do that ever again. And when, when I think about why, how have I avoided burnout, or why doesn't it kind of register with me, I think it's a couple of things. I remember that particularly within the context of worship, it's a joy to worship. It's a joy to sing. It's a joy to make music to God. It's a joy to serve. And when I'm reminded of how good God has been to me, of his incredible grace, 
if I remember what he's done in my life, I actually don't think about the effort that's involved in serving. And I'm reminded that serving in any capacity, no matter what that is, no matter whether it's running a cell group or hospitality or whatever, serving in any capacity is us offering worship to God. Um, the, the other way that I've kind of avoided burnout is, and, and this one is a tough one and I still probably struggle with it, but it's remembering to draw close to God and discipline myself into a relationship with him. That's what keeps me in, in, a, in a place where I can serve easily. It's, it's remembering, that, remembering the inward transformation of Christ within me, accomplished for the work of service. Because, yeah, even if I think about preparing this sermon, I've had, from a career perspective, just a massive year. So we were getting towards the end of December and... I, I do a lot of travel, so I'd kind of been up to Sydney six times in six weeks or something like that, so just exhausted. And I remember kind of halfway through December, I was almost like, oh, you know what, maybe I'll just text Brahm and say, oh, I don't think I can preach, uh, it's just too much going on. And then I kind of got convicted by the Holy Spirit because... I, like, I felt like cancelling it because I'm like, oh, I just don't have the time. However, I kind of realised that I probably just need to have my priorities right um, because the reason I'm saying I don't really have the time is because I really wanted to come home after work and just watch a stack of Netflix <laughs> and relax. But I think what I realised is that that in its truest form isn't actually rest. It's not drawing my... If I come home and I'm just watching TV or doing whatever... I'm not actually resting in Jesus. I'm not actually drawing close to him. I'm not actually relying on him as my source of strength. So even in that, I was like, oh, okay, no, let's do it. And I can actually say that actually it's actually a heap of fun trying to go through and plan this out. And real refreshing because it's refreshing when we choose to spend time in the word. Even if I think about Jesus, um, in Matthew 14, um, we have a story of, well, the recount of where John the Baptist was beheaded and his disciples came and they told Jesus. So if I read from, I'll just read you a couple of verses here. Matthew 14, verse 12 to 16. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So here we've got, you know, Jesus and John, they were close. We know Miriam and Elizabeth were related. We know that John baptised Jesus and they were close. So then John's disciples come and they say, look, he's, he's gone. So Jesus withdraws. And we actually know in Luke 5.16, it tells us that Jesus often withdrew to pray. So he would withdraw and he would pray. So Jesus withdraws, but the crowds follow him. What does he do in that moment? The crowds follow him and he's withdrawn. He doesn't go, guys, stay away from me. He has compassion on them. He serves them and he heals the sick. In the midst of going through something that for Jesus was probably really full on, right? Because he, he was human. He was full on. He goes, he withdraws, he has compassion and he serves them. And so we need to follow his example. If we serve according to God's will, by God's strength and for his glory, um, you know, we're not going to burn out when we remember 
who our source of strength is. So if, you, if anybody feels like they're burning, burning out, draw back from God's strength. Refocus and recognise that you serve for his glory. Talk to people that you're accountable to and pray and seek the will of God in your life and draw strength from his word. Um, and then kind of lastly, okay, so what about serving when we might have been hurt or just life hasn't gone our way and circumstances have been tough? Um, so about, let's say, four years ago, three, four years ago, um, I just had a real strange change of circumstances in my life. Um, first thing that happened was my work situation got really intense. Um, they just kind of job cuts and people had gone and a lot of really great mentors I had had just had to leave. Um, and then I applied for what I thought would be my dream job that I could do for years and I didn't get it. But I was like, oh, okay, so that works pretty tough, but that's okay, there's more to life, I can get over that, it'll be fine. Then in kind of the, the next 12 months or so, I basically had a lot of my core friendship groups turned upside down um, and nothing untoward, nothing, nobody was out to get me, nobody badmouthed me, it was just a change in circumstance. Um, just people made life decisions. Some people moved interstate, moved overseas. Stuff happened, and I, I, I couldn't do anything about it. It was kind of out of my control. No, nothing untoward at all. It just happened. So, um, and, and it's actually perfectly fine for people to make decisions and they leave lives, and that's okay. Um, but I found myself in this space where all of a sudden I had this year where just everything was different, and then with all of this change, all of a sudden I really started to feel alone really, really alone. I used to, in church, and I'm like, oh, I just feel like I've got nobody close anymore. What's going on? Um, and a a over time, it even started to get pretty bad. At one point, I couldn't even get out of bed. There were a couple of days where I was just like, I, just, I don't want to go to work. I'm done. Um, yeah, it, it just felt like my, my plan for life had completely derailed. You know, this, this thing of, I've been serving in church, and all this stuff is going to go my way, and everything is going to happen before I'm 30, and it's going to be great. Um, but it all kind of dissipated. Um, now, I, and, and so then, what actually happened is I started overcompensating as well. So I, as most of my friends know, I kind of worked pretty hard in the workplace, um, but I completely lost any sense of balance. So to try and compensate for just feeling alone and lonely, I'd start working stupid hours. So I would do stuff like I would drive to the Docklands at 7.30, work from 7.30 to 8.30, then go to Collingwood, work from 9 to 5.30, then go back to the Docklands, work till 11, then go home and then repeat. And I would do that day in, day out because I'd be like, oh, I'm just alone. This is just what I've got to do. It's fine. Now, there's, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in working hard and I will work overtime and have no issues with that. Um, but I had completely lost all balance. I'd completely, with, I'd started withdrawing from time with God as well. I actually I went through this phase where I stopped keeping myself accountable to leaders. In, in some cases, because, yeah, friendships had changed and stuff had gone wrong, I'd just gone, uh, I'd almost blamed my leaders for that. And then I even started to feel entitled. I said, God, I've, have I not been in your church for 18 years? I'm not doing drugs. What's wrong? Why? Why is everything going on? So, 
wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I, but I literally just felt entitled of God. I was stuck up. I was a brat. So there was just this expectation that years of serving church meant I was guaranteed this absolutely perfect life. Um, so what happened? So I came to a point where I'm like, you know what? I want to quit. I'm done. So I remember sitting down with Brahmanda twice, telling him, guys, I, I just want to quit. I just want to run away. Um, it's probably sobbing as well. <laughs> um, so I felt like, look, I felt alone. I felt like I'd failed. I just, you know, I didn't want to be serving in church at all. I was kind of like, if I can't manage my friendships, how on earth can I serve? This disqualifies me from everything. Big, big drama. And, and like I said, looking back, it's like, nah. Not, nothing unto what actually happened. It was just change in circumstance, and that's okay. So these, these, these two loving pastors told me to keep going, told me to remember who I was ultimately serving, told me to serve according to the will of God, to love deeply and to forgive. Serving was the last place I wanted to be. The last thing I wanted to do particularly in the concept of church, was stand up and go and sing, come and see what God has done. I'm like, what are you talking about? Come and see what God has done. Um, but there was healing. There was incredible healing and restoration in that. I didn't want to sing, you're all I need. I didn't want to sing, Lord, you are my portion. When the world passes away, you're all I need. But and in, in that moment, it definitely didn't feel that way. But it took time, and serving over time brought incredible healing. In, in moments of pressing into the presence of God and serving his people, that's where I found my breakthrough. I remember there'd moments I'd, I would come home and I'd go, oh, I'm just I'm so over this, I don't want to run cell. I just I don't want to have people over. And it was tough. And I, I still remember a couple of times I then was just like, no, you guys came over, so... I think we were having HSPs at cell every single week at that point. Um, so the guys came over and then all of a sudden somebody shares something profound and opens up about an area of brokenness and God moves powerfully. And everybody leaves and I kind of go, wow. God, I'm kind of blown away that in the midst of brokenness and in the midst of pain, you can still use people to serve and you can still bring your kingdom. Um, so... And so it took time. It took maybe six months to about a year. It wasn't this instant bang, yeah, one catch up with your pastors and then everything's great. It took time. But God brought the victory and my heart really shifted and realised that God had been leading the way the whole time. And even in more than that, something that I look back on reflection, what I realised is I had become more dependent on people in my serving so when I was serving, I was like, I, it was actually this, not, not an entitlement thing, but it was this thing of actually I'm serving in my community because my community wants to hang out with me. So then if my community departs, that's when I was like, oh, I feel alone and I don't want to serve. But I started realising that I had to be more dependent on God in my serving rather than those around me because it's his strength that enables me to serve. So ironically, that kind of season of loneliness, and I wouldn't... I sort of call it depression, but that, that season of just feeling rubbish um, started with me not getting my so-called dream job at the time. 
ironically, at the end of that kind of season, that very same job I got offered two years later. Um, and if I think about, now that was, say, two years ago. So if I think about the last two years of my life, it's probably been the most fruitful from the perspective of ministry in terms of church, but also in a work perspective, it's been an incredible few years. I've been more stretched vocationally um, and in ministry than ever before. I'm doing things I never thought I'd be doing before. Um, actually, about a year ago, when a bunch of us were in Jakarta, somebody had asked me, oh, would you ever preach? And I've gone, nah, not for me, not for me. <laughs> Boy, was that wrong. Um, yeah, in that, yeah, in that season, if somebody asked me, oh, would you ever like to worship lead? I'd go, nah, can't do that. Um, but God's incredible. He, um, he restores everything. He, um, there is no overnight solution, but through perseverance, he comes through. So in, in conclusion, and I don't know if the musicians want to get up, um, you know, who, who is our ultimate example of serving when it's difficult? It's Jesus. Um, the end of 1 Peter 2, verse 21, says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. So, to cap off, um, when life is difficult, serve according to God's will. When life is difficult, love the people around you deeply. When life is difficult, Find a practical way to serve and shift your eyes away from your own circumstance. When life is difficult, don't grumble about it. Don't grumble in service. Number five, when, when life is difficult, recognise that the giftings God has given you are from him. When life is difficult, serve by the strength that God provides with the goal that he will be praised. I'm just going to pray. Father God, we just we thank you for your faithfulness to us as a church this year. Lord, I, and we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that in every season of life you call us to serve. And, and Lord, truly that you are all we need, that we don't serve for our own reputation, for us to look good, Father God, but we serve for your glory. Lord, I, I just pray that if anybody here is just feeling burnt out, Lord, that they would find you as their source of strength, that they would find themselves in the middle of your will, knowing what your will is for their lives. Father, we just, Lord, if anybody's just finding life difficult and struggling to press on, Lord, I pray that there would be times of refreshing in, in times of worship and in as they serve their community and their families and those around them. God, we thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.